so we're going to go for this. We're going to get to work here as we uh, buckle up. We're going to put your track shoes on, as usual, so we're going to run Mach 5. But what I want to talk to you about today is Father's Day, obviously, but really directed from our Heavenly Father to us and who we have. And uh, Father's Day is ultimately, um, uh, you know, a lot of our holidays that we have come out of Christianity in the United States. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, you know, thankfulness to God is actually Thanksgiving. It's not about turkeys and pilgrims, and it's not about generic Thanksgiving. It's about Thanksgiving unto the Lord. And uh, so it's actually based on, a, on one of the feasts in the Bible. And then also we have Mother's Day and Father's Day. And those days are, again, coming out of Scripture because the Bible says, honor your father and mother that it may be well with you. You understand? So you know, the roots of our nation are, uh, come, out of our, come out of the gospel, and some of you are maybe, you know, new to America or maybe, you know, a lot of people in particular in Miami, you're, um, you know, you're first generation to, to our country. And, you know, maybe you've gone through the citizenship classes or whatever it may be, and they don't teach you that aspect of our nation. But our nation was founded by men of God who loved the Lord and they had varying differences in their beliefs, but they loved and honored ultimately Jesus Christ. They came from a bunch of backgrounds and that was really what our system of government was founded upon. That's why we, have, I don't know why I'm talking about government, but that's why we have checks and balances. That's why we have three different branches within our government. We're not under a dictator. And ultimately, the idea was that our nation was to be submitted under God. And a lot of our holidays come out of that context. And so Father's Day is one of them. And so it's without question the most appropriate on Father's Day to honor our Heavenly Father. So here's Ephesians chapter 3, 14. And it says, for this reason, Paul is writing, there's a man, apostle, a man called by God, anointed by God, empowered by the Spirit, and he's writing to a church at a place in modern-day Turkey called Ephesus. And there was a region there, and Ephesus was the main church. And the book of Ephesians is a letter written to the church at Ephesus, and ultimately it was shared among the churches in the region. And Paul is instructing them, declaring them lots of good things going on in that book. And he says, this is the reason why I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened through his might in the spirit, through his, in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses our ability to know but beyond our knowledge that we would be filled with all the fullness of God and now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. And off that we should all just say amen. amen. Right? For what reason? Paul's saying, listen, I bow my knee unto the Father in heaven. Why? Because Jesus has given us access into the riches of the Spirit. That's the beginning of the, if you go a little bit above that, he's talking about the power of the Spirit that's been given to us and the access into the things of the kingdom that's been given to us because Jesus has come. Jesus was sent from the Father. He is equal with God. He's always been God. He's not a creation of God. He is Elohim. And so he came, one part of the Trinity came for us in order to bring us back because we ultimately had left the Lord. And so Paul says, I bow I bow unto the Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. This idea of bowing means to yield. It's the concept of surrender. So we see one of the foundational principles of Christianity is surrender. Yielding unto the Lord. 
What do we yield? We yield our identity, who we are. It no longer matters who we were. It only matters who he says we are. We yield away everything that we are. We yield away our purpose. And we yield away our understanding. And that's hard for us. Because we think we know it all. And we think we, have, we got it all figured out. But one of the keys to the gospel and keys to the kingdom is that the Christian yields. We come unto Christ not just yielding to him as Savior. We come unto him and he changes the way that we think. He changes our identity. So we, now we see ourselves and understand ourselves differently. And he changes your purpose or the direction of your life. The what you do and the why you do it. It doesn't matter necessarily you know, like you may be a carpenter, but now you have an entirely new meaning behind why you're doing carpentry work. You have an entire new purpose in why you're doing it. And so we must yield these things unto the Lord. Why? Because Christ has died to give us access into another world. Jesus has given us access into something far greater and far more powerful than who and what we could ever be. This is the glory of the gospel. It's actually called the glorious gospel. Why is it the glorious gospel? Because it's greater than you. We're called into something, right? Next slide. This is what our Father does. Our Father's intent from the very beginning was and always has been family. If you look back on the book of Genesis, God created Adam and Eve, and the idea was family, communal relationship, communal identity, everything that the father was, the son and daughter were to be. And everything the son and daughter were to be, they drew from the father. Their identity, their purpose, their power, their everything came from him. This is why the Bible says, in him we live, move, and have our being. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. So if you see how the gospel is trying to change us back into that direction. The kingdom has always been patriarchal which means headed by a father, overseen by a father. The kingdom of God is, uh, the government of the kingdom is a family. We, God is our father and we are sons and daughters through Christ. Very, 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 can I say it one more time? Very important to understand. We are sons and daughters of, of our heavenly father through Jesus Christ. That is insanely important to understand. Because in that comes all other implications. When we understand who we are, we understand we have an inheritance, we understand we have a purpose, we understand that we have a meaning, we understand that we are exceptional. Christian, you are not average. You are not, nor will you ever be, average. You are a... Hallelujah. Excuse me for a moment. Absolutely. You are not ever going to be... You have been given... The power of the Spirit. The bread is for the children. You are not average. You have become exceptional. The, the favor of the Lord does not rest upon those who do not know Him. The favor of the Lord it rests upon those who do. I always hear Christians go, well, then why don't I see it? Because you're not acting like it. Here's the rain falling, and here's you over here doing this. Get underneath where the water is flowing, and you'll begin to see who you are. Begin to live and align and destine your life in that way. We don't live like other people live. We don't think like other people think. We don't act like other people act. We do things. We are peculiar people. 
Oh, why do you give to a church? Oh, don't you think they only want your money? Because they don't understand. They don't understand that then giving that way activates the spiritual principle, activates the blessing of heaven. The dull in their, even the Christians are dull in their understanding because they don't understand what the Father is doing. They're dull. Jesus said to the disciples, have I been with you this long and you still don't get it? I've been with you. How long have you walked? Some of you guys, you've walked with the Lord for a long time and you still don't get it? You're still not getting it? Give yourself, go to the mirror, give yourself a couple of high karates, point yourself in the mirror and say, start getting it. Don't walk with him this long and not get it. Don't walk with him this long and not understand the principles. Don't let men, Bible says this, in Galatians, he told them, do not let the doctrines of men come in and steal your liberty. You listen to fools and they train you into a way that takes you outside of the kingdom and you become an idolater of your mind, thinking that the ways of men are higher than the ways of God. And your spiritual life is embalmed like a dead man. You're walking around like a zombie. There's no life in you and there's no life in the spirit because you're not understanding what he has called you to. We do it by faith. We, get, we pray. Well, why do you pray? Oh, what are you guys talking to the air? Oh, you pray nothing. You know, because people don't understand why do you go to church? This is an enigma to most people. I was getting gas this morning, and I saw people filling up their boats. And they're, they're, they're going off to go fishing. I'm going to, so I'm going to worship Jesus. To someone who doesn't know the Lord, what, they, what it seems like I'm doing is foolish. You're going to go and worship Jesus because they don't understand. They don't get it. But if anybody needs to get it, we need to get it. We need to get it. And we need you know, whatever it takes. I got a, there's a verse in Philippians I quote, I, I quote all the time. The Bible says, pound it in. In the literal Greek, it means pound this in your head. Beat this into your head until you understand it. Beat it into you until you, you and your hard head understand this is what the Father wants. So we have a Father. This is what the Bible tells us. We have a Father. You are not orphans. You are not without an identity. You are not without a home. You are not without a benefactor. And you are not without power in this world. 2 Corinthians 16, I will be to you a father, and you will be to me my sons and daughters. That's pretty clear. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who are under law, that we may what? Receive the adoption of sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth his spirit into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Everybody say, therefore, I am no longer a slave, but I am a son or a daughter. And if I am a son, come on, if I am a son or a daughter, then I am an heir. Say it again. I am an heir of God in Christ. That's who you are. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's go. I feel that too. Come on. The spirit that you receive does not make you slaves. Here's another one. Romans, same idea. We're not slaves. We're not in bondage. We are liberated to serve and worship and love our Father and bring about His glory so that we, live in, we do not live in fear. Rather, the spirit we have received is the spirit of adoption. You understand? Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are what? The children of God. You want to know who your identity is? Get in the spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to start telling you who you are. You're going to start identifying with who you are. And by him, he cries out through you, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. 
There's been an attack on fatherhood, and it remains to this day. We have absentee fathers. We have diminished fathers. The enemy, the devil, the fallen one with whom all evil comes from. He is the author of evil, in case you didn't understand that. See, four weeks ago, we talked about that. He tries to mar the image and the identity of the father, of fathers in our culture. Why does he? Because he understands that the key to power is understanding God as father. And if he can distort the vision among men and women of what a father is, then we ultimately relate to that father in a distorted way. So we have abusive fathers, we have alcoholic fathers, we have absent fathers, we have dis, uh, disengaged fathers, we have good fathers, we have, you know, it's all over the map. But the percentages are against it in our culture. TV diminishing, you know, I mean, it's just a war against fatherhood. It's a war, ongoing, you know, and that's, that's a work of the devil. And his ultimate goal is to mar us from seeing our heavenly father for who he is. We're not in bondage. You know what that means, Christian? Ready? Say it with me. Nothing. nothing. Absolutely, nothing. Absolutely nothing. You believe this? Good. I'm going to give you something good here. You guys are going to need to participate. Right. You should know me by now. I'm not leading you down off a cliff. I'm leading you into something good. All right? Yeah, come on. We're, say this. Nothing, nothing. Absolutely, nothing absolutely nothing, has right, has right. or authority, authority. Over, me. over me. Yeah. You are not a slave and you are not in bondage. That's what the Bible says, okay? That's not what the culture says. That's not what anything else around you says. We need to say what the Bible says. Our power is in the Spirit. Our position is not given. Our position is given. It is not earned. You didn't do anything. You didn't send in a resume to become God's child. You received the invitation. You didn't earn it. He gave it to you. Oh, amazing grace. Oh, happy day. We are called into in order to become. He calls you into sonship. He calls you into daughtership in order for you to become. Principle of the gospel. Jesus calls you who you are long before you get there. Son, daughter. I don't look like a son. I don't look like a daughter. He calls you what you are long before you arrive. Because he wants you to understand this is who you are. Start acting like it. Start acting like a child of God. Start honoring your father, worshiping, doing, and do, becoming, and loving, and knowing who you are. Our position is given is not earned. Next slide. So we have a father. We have a father who absolutely adores you. Let his face shine down upon us. Most people do not know the joy of the Lord because they cannot even for a moment imagine God's face shining down upon them in joy. What that prayer is actually saying, Lord, let me see, get rid of my dull understanding, get rid of my blocks, and let me see the joy that you have for me. Let your sh face shine down upon me. And why does he love you? Just because he does. Just because he does. You didn't earn it. So I don't know if he loves me. Oh, yeah, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. You know what that's saying? I loved you when you were so far away. I loved you when you didn't even know me. I loved you when you hated me. I loved you when you thought other people didn't, you, uh, you worshiped other gods or whatever. You, you know, I loved you from afar. And I have drawn you to myself with kindness. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ready? 
Christian, you're not equal with the, Lord, with, the, with the unbeliever. People say, well, Jesus loves everybody. Yeah, but he loves the children more. How do you know that? Because the Bible tells me so. If he loved you when you were a sinner, what's it say? How much more? So we have an increase of God's love into us. We have an increase in God's love over us because we're sons and daughters. You're not equal. Stop acting like you're equal with the world. You are not. You are not. You are not subservient to a fallen culture. You are a people of kingdom power. You are a people of favor and destiny. Until you get this in your head, God uses people, places, and things. Until you get it in your head, it's a bless me club. Yes, it is. I know that's hard because we have a hard time. Well, I just don't see God. It's just a bless me club. Blessing for purpose, people. It's not blessing for you. It's increase for you that God would increase your influence, that ultimately his increase would come through your life. If you think it's all about you, you're still dull in your head. You're still dull. And you're still thinking in a limited way. It's not about you. You got to realize that you are loved and you are favored. Somebody's going to get that job. Somebody's going to be in that place. Somebody's going to be around those people. And somebody's going to get those things. Is it going to be you? And then once you do, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to honor the Lord or are you going to go build a castle of sand? What are you going to do? He will honor you. God is interested in putting his people in the positions of influence. He is. Look around. Read, read what God did in his word over and over and over and over again. Palaces of kings he wanted his people. Rulers and governorships. On every sphere of life, God wanted his people in the positions of influence. Why? You can imagine, because he just, because I'm so amazing? No. That's what our, this is one of the cultural strongholds we have to tear down. It's, it's all about us. That's what our culture teaches you. It's not all about you. It's all about Jesus. But we get to stand in the light of his glory. Aren't you glad? Right? His glory is big enough. He can, he can, he can rise. He doesn't have a problem. He seats us with him. You know, we just kind of stand in there. He's the superstar, right? And we just get to stand with him. He, we do the Lord, this is a very important, I don't know why God's pushing me on this. We do the Lord a very big disservice when we do not understand who we are. Jesus died to make you who you are. And in the name of humility, the church denies its identity. Oh, well, we're just, you know, going to be humble, pastor. You know, we just got to be humble. I'm humble. You should be humble. I'm humbled by the fact that he has called me who I am. I'm humbled by that. But I know that because he's given it to me, he expects me to do something with it. He expects me to partner with him, to become who I am, and have him show me what that means. These parables that God, Jesus wrote, they're not poems. They're not, he didn't say this is a poem. He said this is a parable. The kingdom is like four talents, two talents, one talent. Do we get the picture? Nowhere did he tell them to bury it. Nowhere. He expected them to know what they were given, and he was expecting them to do something with what they were given. And he was intolerant of the ones that did nothing. There was no tolerance, zero tolerance for somebody who buried it in the backyard. None. None. I'm just telling you, that's, I didn't write it. He wrote it. So. <laughs> God so loved the world. You are loved by your Father. You are more loved than the world around you. You are exceptional, Christian. 
He gives you that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It is a life that is independent of time. It is a love that is independent of time. It is a love that is timeless. He will not take his love for you. He will not take his, 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 his life from you. Our life is as sons and daughters. Our eternal life, we will live eternally as sons and daughters. When you pass through the veil and you get into his world, or when he fully brings his world into ours, you're going to get it. So you might as well get it now. Because who you are in that world is who you are eternally. You are that person right now. You just don't understand it. So we have to get a revelation. That's what Paul's saying in Ephesians 3, that you would get a revelation of who you are. That you would get a revelation of what you are to become. The last thing you want to do is like waste your whole life here, and then you get in that world, and you go, wow, I've been this the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say there wasn't a battle. I didn't say there wasn't a battle against spirit and flesh. I didn't say any of that. But our strength and our power is in the spirit. It is a life that is independent of time. Spirit's role is to activate the love of God within us. Did you know that? That's one of the ideas of the Holy Spirit. Again, in the name of humility, in the name of tolerance, in the name of acceptance, in the name of seeker-friendly and seeker-sensitive, the church has pushed the Holy Spirit right out the door. And we wonder why the activation of power isn't available in the church. We wonder why the activation of love isn't available in the church. We wonder why the activation of identity isn't available in the church. Because it's the Spirit that gives us our identity. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're sons. Right? The Spirit is the one who sheds the love of God apart in our hearts. Not externally. Not the external Holy Spirit. We just pat Him over here. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The Spirit of God activated within you. Boom. That's what it's about. You understand that? You shouldn't shun it. Our churches teach people to shun the power of the Spirit moving in them. Let it move. Let the river flow, Christian. Let it flow. Let it flow in you, over you. Soak the very places where you go. Saturate it. Get drunk. That's what it is. Woo! You ever been in love? You guys ever been in love? This is what it's talking about. I've been around girls, and when they girls fall in love, that's all they do is talk about that guy. They just talk about that guy. There was a guy here, he got married, and he met a girl here. They moved away, but they, when they were here, so Jared, if you're listening, <laughs> he met her, and I, they were kind of, you know, whatever. I thought they were friends, and then one day, they're standing, I'm standing around, I'm talking to Jared after church, and he must have mentioned Shireen like 15 times in five sentences. It's like, yeah, and you know, Shireen, and da-da-da-da-da, and I was at work, and then I was talking to Shireen, and Shireen, 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 and I'm like, I went home and told Sherry, I said, I, I think Jared likes Shireen. She's like, how do you know? I go, because he can't, he uses her name every other word, you know? This is what it means to be love drunk. This is what it means. We get love drunk in the spirit. And it's just Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Woo, I don't know anything today, but it's Jesus. That's what he's talking about, you know? Get in the spirit, get love drunk, man. Activate the love of God within us. We have a father who loves us. We have a father who's for us. Say it with me. I'm I, Heavenly Father. Come on. He loves me. And He is for me. You believe it? That's right. He is. God is not trying to get you. He's trying to, he's trying to bless you. You've got to change the way you think. Change the way you think. He wants nothing from you. He wants everything for you. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Okay? Next slide. We receive his blessing by positioning ourselves in alignment with his blessing. His blessing flows through channels. His blessing flows through rivers. If you stand on a riverbank and watch the water go by, it doesn't do any good. Get in the river. Get in the river. That's where the blessing is. 
Christians sit there and we know all the principles and we don't believe them and so we just watch the water go by and we never step into the water. Oh, there's a word. The priests stepped into the water with the ark. They took the presence of God and stepped into the water and the way was made. Hello. Romans 8. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Okay, so you have a destiny. You have a God who's for you. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. There again is our idea of family. Fathers, sons, daughters. Moreover, he predestined us that we would also, that the, these he called and whom he called, these he justified and whom he justified, he glorified. This word predestined means you have a predetermined destiny. That's literally what it means. There's a whole bunch of slurried understanding of predestination. You say, well, he foreknew. Of course he foreknew. He knows everything before the end, before the beginning. But God isn't randomly choosing. He puts the invitation out to the whole world. If you want, just like we prayed this morning, if you want it, come and get it. If you don't, have a seat. Doesn't matter either way. You know, you want the blessing, come and get it. You don't want the blessing, that's okay too. Whatever. He foreknew you. He knew you and he knew what he wanted. God foreknew he wanted a family. God foreknew that he wanted to send his son to the cross to bring the family home. He foreknew spiritual formation into son and daughtership. The firstborn among many brethren, Christ releases his heart into his spirit into us in order that we would be formed into sons and daughters. Our predetermined destiny is what? What does God want for his sons and daughters? First of all, that you're justified. You're made right. Huh? You are right before the Lord. You will never be more right before the Lord than you are right now. You will never be more loved before the Lord than you are right now because it's not about you. You are already made right. So his, de his destiny for his sons and daughters is, I will justify them. They will be blameless before me, not because of them, but because of me. I will do the work for them. And they will be my eternal partners. He justifies us. And whom he justifies, he glorifies. Here's destiny for you, people. He doesn't call you just to be made right. This is where the church, we're justified. Sanctified and justified. And I'm like, oh, hallelujah. Are you glorified? Because that's what the Bible says. The glory means the weight of goodness. He justified you to put the weight of goodness on your life. That you would be what? A city on a hill. <gasps> really, that's what that means. That's what it means. The glory of God on you. All these other things begin to connect when we start understanding these concepts. God called you to be a son and daughter. He made you right before him in order to bring glory on your life. To elevate you, to position you, into order that he would shine through you. Change you, transform you, all the above. What shall we say to these things? Romans 30, right? 31. And we've got to open up our mouth. What are you going to say to the thing that tells you you're not a son and daughter? What are you going to say to the thing that tells you you're not loved? What are you going to say to the thing that tells you you're not blessed? What are you going to say to the thing that tells you you're not prosperous? If you don't open your mouth, ain't nothing going to happen. God creates with his words. He spoke and there was. And again, we create a culture within our, within our American community that's just you know, mute. It's a spirit of mute over our mouths of the believer. Mute. Open your mouth. That's what God said to Moses. Open your mouth. It tells you in the psalm, David said, open your mouth. What's he saying here? Open your mouth. What shall we say to these things? God is for me. What can be against me? He who did not spare his son but delivered him up to us all. Say it with me. If Jesus gave his son for me... How will he not now freely give me all things? 
I had an argument with a girl one time. She said, that just means spiritual things. I'm like, where does it say that? Where does it say that? It doesn't say that at all. In fact, there's not even one other verse that says that. Well, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I say, yes, that's true. But he's also given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, which means that blessing relates to this world. It's not just spiritual blessing. We have to awaken to who we are. We have to have a revelation, and we have to pursue that revelation through faith. So everybody say this with me. Faith, faith pursues, pursues what revelation reveals. Understand that? Paul's saying that you would be revealed and it would be, you would get the understanding that you were a son and daughter and then by faith you would begin to step into that. By faith you would begin to act like it. It's not enough to know. Say that with me. It's not enough to know. I must do. Understand? So it's like God, Paul's saying that you would get a revelation and that you by faith would begin to step into that and begin to try this stuff out and keep pushing into it. Next slide, please. We have a Father who loves us. We have a Father who's for us. You have a Father who's appointed you to destiny. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I'm so glad Jesus has a destiny for me. All these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and what is right to him. Gentiles are seeking their own. And what he's saying is you're not that person. Jesus is again, calling them out from who they are. You are not to seek your own God will take care of you. You're to seek what he wants. What does he want? Well, does God want me to have a job? Of course he wants you to have a job. Does God want you to pay your bills? Well, of course he wants you to pay your bills. And a whole lot more. But he's saying, seek me and I'll help you get there. You don't need to take it all upon yourself. Come on. Seek first the kingdom of God and what is right to him, and then these things will be added to you. Don't, and then he says, well, how's that going to happen? He said, don't worry about it, right? Because that's the next thing. Well, if I'm seeking God, how's it going to work? He's like, don't worry about it. I'm telling you, this is the way it's going to work. Tomorrow will worry for its own. Sufficient is the day for evil. Our destiny lies in understanding the Father's kingdom vision. Ready? God, say this with me. Grab your chair. Jesus, Jesus doesn't want to know my vision until I understand his. That's what the Bible's saying. He doesn't care what your vision is. Until you understand his. Until we understand the metavision of the Father, our vision is irrelevant. Until we understand who we are, what the Father wants, and we begin to see that, then and only then will our life align. And you'll begin to see your vision in alignment with what his vision. You'll begin to understand that your corporation isn't just about your corporation. You begin to understand that your gifts, your talents, your family, whatever it may you may possess, whatever the vision that you have, isn't about that. You'll begin to understand when you see the kingdom vision, that what Jesus wants from the world, that he was come to reveal the Father, that our job is to come and to reveal the Father. That's one of the concepts of the vision. But when it, He does not care what you want until you understand that. So what is the point? We need to understand that. We need to understand kingdom vision. Because in kingdom vision, our vision is revealed. That's how it works. Our destiny is a divine partnership with our Father through an understanding through who we are. We understand this is who I am. We understand this is what the Father wants. We understand this is what Jesus wants from the world and for the world. Okay, I got that. Now, how can I do that? How can I do that? Jesus, the Father wanted the, the, the children of Israel to cross the Red Sea. Remember that? That seems like an impossible task, but that's what he wanted. He brought him right up to an ocean. And Moses is like, you got to be kidding me. He brought us up to an ocean? With an enemy at our back, 
How is this going to happen? He said, what's in your hand? My vision is for you to cross the water. How's it going to happen? He's gonna, it's going to happen by what's in your hand. It's going to happen by what he's already given you. The he has given you everything that you need. He's put you, this is again a context of the church. The miracle is always in the house. God meets the needs and fulfills the provisions of his people through one another. It's miracles in the house, always. So what should be our response if we understand this is who our father is, that he loves us, that he's for us, and that we have a destiny? Next slide, please. Last slide. We have to allow the spirit to activate the love of the father. So if you understand the father loves you, you have to let the love of God flow in your heart. You have to get in the spirit. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to wor you worship. Get, let him move in you. Get in the spirit. And in the spirit, we love God back. Love him back. And in loving him back, there's more love coming to you. And then just go around and love people. Love people. What does that mean? Add value. Seek the highest good. That's what it means. Love them. That's, that's the point. But we do that if God loves us, we love because he first loved us, 1 John says. We cannot fully love God unless he loves us first. He gives us his spirit in order to love us. This is how impossible it is. This is, how, this is completely how, how insufficient we are. We can't even love God without his love in our hearts. We can't even do it. So we need the spirit of God in order to actually even love him. Isn't that wild? Huh. He says, forgive. You need the Spirit in order to forgive. You can't forgive on your own. You can't. You can't. All the husbands and wives said, amen. You know, you, can't, you have a hard time forgiving without the Holy Spirit. We have to, so what's the second part? We have to understand that if, our, if God loves us, we need to respond to that. We have to understand that if God is for us, we must live as if we cannot fail. Everybody say that. I will live, I will live. as if I, I cannot fail. You can't fail. Okay, so let's see who's, who gets the message here at Elevate. The, only way, the Christian only fails when they, starts with a Q, quit. quit. Yes. That's the only way we fail. It's the only way. We need to live towards that. God is for us. We have to learn the kingdom vision. Align our purpose with his purpose. What is the kingdom vision? Here's just a couple of little things. This is a new, we should probably do something off that. The kingdom vision is to reveal the Father. That's our role in this world, to reveal the Father filled with his love, understanding our purpose, understanding our destiny, reveal the Father. Love people, serve people, honor people. Don't take the credit, don't take the glory. Say, ah, it's just Jesus. He loves me, so I love you. I probably couldn't love you without Jesus, but you know, because he loves me and his spirit's in me, I can actually love you anyway. So our job is to reveal the Father. Our job is to bring heaven to earth. What is that? Is the culture of heaven upon the earth. That's a whole other idea. We're gonna talk about that in a few weeks. Each of you has a role to play. Guess what? There's no dress rehearsal. Say it with me, I have a role to play. There's no dress rehearsal. I'm on stage now. Uh-huh. It's true. There is no dress rehearsal, people. We have a role to play, and we're already on stage. Our role is, rela our rela our role is relational. What does that mean? The identity of who we are and understanding the kingdom vision. And we get our identity through relating to who he is, and we get God's vision through understanding who he is. This is the Father in heaven. This is the idea of the concept of the Father. He loves you. He's for you. He has a destiny for you. That's the point. And that is an understanding that we have to embrace. We cannot hold these things out here. We cannot be observers. We must take these things into heart and begin to actually own them and begin to actually position ourselves and begin to actually come forth as who we are. It's very important. 
We're going to take communion this morning. So, uh, Elliot, Elliot, you in charge of communion. So, guys, come to the tables if you know who you are. And uh, what's going to happen is we're going to pray. Jody's going to play. And then um, I'm going to give you a little intro. And just take, make your way around and grab the, the, uh, the bread and grab the, the juice and bring it back to the seat. And we'll take it together. Jesus said this. This, this, this again is a point of reference for communion. It means you can hold on. It's all right. Don't, don't worry about it. It's no awkwardness here. My zipper's down. My zipper was down. So <laughs> if you think I'm freaked out by awkwardness, you don't know me. So anyway, um, <laughs> curiously awkward. Yeah, go ahead. Grab the, grab the juice. We'll, we'll go ahead. We'll just go around. another uh, piece of our identity. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much the Lord tells me to reinforce identity. <laughs> it's another, the, the word communion means common union. We are common and in union with him. We are with him in community and in unity with him. We are sons and daughters. Just hold up the cracker, the wafer. Just say, Jesus, this is your body. It was broken for me. I believe it, and I receive it. Let's take it together. Let's hold up the cup. Let's say, Jesus, this represents your blood poured out for me, that I might become a son or a daughter. In your name, I receive my identity, I receive my inheritance, and I receive my purpose. Let's take it together. Let me bless you one more time. Receive it. That's right. May the Lord bless you. I just want you to see it coming on you, man. However you're, I want you to see this. Imagine what's happening when I speak. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week. Happy Father's Day. What do I, oh, we have prayer? We have a prayer team. So if you need prayer, if you need prayer or a prophetic word, 
what, what? We got it going on over there, so. 